the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Natural disasters here and around the world. And later, are Christians thinking wrongly about their bodies? You're listening to The Common Good. Welcome back to The Common Good on this Wednesday afternoon. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my special guest co-host, Catherine McNeil. Catherine, you're back. I am back. Day two. It's great times. Good times. You were in the studio yesterday, in the studio today, and then you'll be back on Friday. I am going to be back on Friday. And I shouldn't say this aloud because my husband's coming in tomorrow as my special guest, but I like you better. (gasps) Yeah, don't tell... Kevin, I hope you're not listening. I think that's been recorded now. That's gonna, official. I have said it aloud for posterity. So I'd like to download is. the audio clip of, <laughs> of this if you can. You could play it for Kevin whenever you guys are in a conflict or that something sounds good. like that. Okay. Um, so, Catherine, I love that you're here, but unfortunately, we have some devastating news. Oh, my goodness. I'm sure I, our listeners have been paying attention all day, but this uh, insane magnitude of an earthquake, the, the toll, the death count this morning was a thousand i know it's continuing to grow even now this afternoon and um, i don't know if you've watched any of the footage catherine but just rubble and bodies and uh, incredible rescue efforts being made that nation has been hit hard over the past year don't you think oh yes oh so on so many levels but you're right. I haven't seen much of the footage, but my phone keeps yeah. beeping to give me another new tragic update on the numbers of people dead. It's mind-boggling for me to imagine that while I was sleeping last night, yeah. over a thousand people died. That number is so shocking to me, and I know. I mean, you know, we have earthquakes here in the states, especially California, experiences them. But I, I think to hear that that magnitude and that many losses is and immediately because there's always a cascade effect yeah the people that aren't rescued in time or the people who die because the water systems have run down or the infrastructure has fallen like it seems like there's so much more to come and will continue to come like you said uh it's hard to know on this side of things like what we can do as christians I know that we can pray. I know that we can join with, uh, you know, I don't know who can get into Afghanistan is the hard part now. But if there are um, dependable disaster relief efforts, Local. you can give financially mm-hmm. as well to that. Um, and I, yeah, and, and obviously be praying in a situation like this because yes. this is so devastating for the yes. people of Afghanistan who are already suffering a lot. Well, and I think another thing we can do is to reach out to Afghanistan. Afghanistan refugees or immigrants yeah. that live in our own communities mm, because great, these could be Relatives, friends, friends, family mm-hmm. that are deeply impacted. And now our neighbors are in a new country yep. where they might not have the support that they need for processing this grief. I can't imagine how I would feel if my family was going through something no. like this and I was on the other side of the world. Oh, no, it's so awful. Thank you for reminding us of that, Catherine. That's a really good point. We can reach out to those who are on this side of things hurting 
because they may have lost family members, loved ones, or even just that sense of home. Yes, too. yes, absolutely. Thinking that your home is seeing their destroyed. homeland. Yeah, going through something like this. The other thing that's going on. I mean, obviously, I, I hate. I don't want to compare these, but I do want to link them because it's another natural disaster. And I know this impacted you, so I actually wanted to talk to you about it. Yes. Yellowstone National Park. Oh, my goodness. Flooding has – it's like game-changing. Like the entire park has changed now, right? Yes. Uh, Well, that's what they're saying. Uh, The last I heard – and but going back to that personal note, my family has – a vacation to Yellowstone scheduled for about 10 days from now, <gasps> which we've been planning for years. Uh, we were going to bring my side of the family and my husband's side of the family together in an Airbnb. We were going to explore Yellowstone for 10 days, and that has all gone up I was about in to ask you, is that that's just canceled now? Because you can't even get in, No, right? we cannot. Uh. Um, unfortunately, our vacation was scheduled for the northern part of Yellowstone, mm-hmm. which they are saying will probably not open for a year. Oh, Wow. Yeah. Wow, there, wow, wow. It looks like the flooding has, yes, absolutely kind of rewritten the, even where the roads are going to have to Yeah, that's have what to it re-engineer. looks like. The roads have been mm-hmm. so damaged. Mm-hmm. And then obviously that impacts tourism. That impacts just the parks yes. themselves, the ecology of the parks yes. themselves. That's crazy news. So, I mean, this isn't about you, but how <laughs> have you guys sort of recovered from your vacation plans? Well, we're sort of reeling. Um, people who have bought plane tickets are trying to get credit back on that. People yeah. who we, you know, we rented a really large Airbnb. We're currently in negotiations. Are on they that. willing to give you a deposit oh, back? Maybe okay, 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 yeah. Um, but my family and I are now looking for a plan B for our vacation time yeah. as well. Oh, so, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Well, you know, it's the least of the troubles right. in the world, right. but we are really disappointed. I think, Catherine, like, let's let's take this pastoral for just a minute. Uh, these are these are devastating situations. And one, lives are lost. The other, mm-hmm. you have to change your vacation plan. So I know they're not totally comparable. At the same time, there are seasons of life that, just feel really hard and really yes. difficult and really challenging and really scary. Yes. And I you know we we kind of touched on this in yesterday's show a little bit but as a as a person of faith how do you kind of endure mm. while processing devastation? Who well don't I wish I had the answer for that. <laughs> uh you know don't I, we all? <laughs> it's a practice. Yeah. You know I think like any muscle, I I don't have the strength to complete a marathon, but if I if I go out and practice every day, I will yeah. build up that endurance. And I think choosing to keep our eyes on God, choosing to pursue the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, mm. patience, kindness, goodness, even during hard times, yeah. even when we're afraid, yeah. um, we build up those muscles. That's so I, I think we can't hope to find ourselves in a true crisis and again, not a vacation being lost crisis, I understand, but, right? but a livelihood or life changing crisis yeah. um, and just have love, joy, peace, patience mm. just appear. Although God does sometimes provide for us that way. But mostly I think God provides for us mm. by inviting us on a lifelong practice. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> my encouragement for all of us is that when the small inconveniences happen today, to remember the fruit of the spirit, to practice kindness, even mm. when we're stressed out, mm. to practice patience, even good. when things are yeah. not going the way we want, because we're going to need those muscles yeah. sometime when a real crisis hits. I think sometimes too, Catherine, there's a, there's something that Brian and I have talked about and I've been kind of wrestling with. I would say over the past decade, 
maybe longer. I think I have been focused personally on um, experiencing down payments of God's kingdom on earth now. Like, mm. you know, Jesus obviously taught us to pray like thy kingdom come. Yes. Um, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think it, this is I'm just speaking personally. Um, because of that, I think sometimes I forget that there's a larger narrative to our faith, which is that one day there will be an end to this kind of pain mm. and suffering and sorrow and mm. that Jesus will come and make all things new. Yes. And there are moments like these, especially this devastating Afghanistan earthquake where I feel like more and more, and it may just be age as well, more and more people dying that I know, longing to see loved ones again, that I feel like I'm longing for that mm. one day, for that not yet. The ultimate hope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In a way that I don't think I, ha- I have in the past several decades. And I do think that's a piece of it too, is like, like you're saying right now we practice our faith. We practice, we ask that the Holy Spirit, you know, in those practices, the Holy Spirit shapes us into Christ likeness. That gives us the endurance to also focus on like the one day when all shall be well, as your second book says. Yes, it certainly does. That's a good word. So since Brian's gone, it's like a, like a all woman takeover. And when that happens, I feel like we have to talk about things that, you know, Brian and I do talk about, but can't necessarily talk about with the same experience. All right. Okay. And uh, you're a woman in seminary and in ministry. I am a co-planter of a church that I help lead with my husband. And so effectively, like we are women in leadership in ministry situations. It's true. We are. And um, that not always historically, but I would say in the past several decades historically has been problematic. For um, many church leaders, and this has come to the forefront recently with the the Southern Baptist Church Convention was going on a couple weeks ago, Catherine. I don't know if you paid much attention to it. Brian and I were talking about it almost every day here on the air. So I don't know if you were as inundated as we were, but the Southern Baptist Convention is really the largest of its kind. It's the largest Protestant denomination in the States. They get together every year with leaders from all around um, the Southern Baptist Church world come together and convene about things. Some of those things, of course, being all of the abuse allegations that yes. have now been you know, brought out of the shadows. And they have other things that they're, they're talking about. And there's this kind of sub-controversy happening in the middle of the Southern Baptist Convention around Saddleback Church. And uh, Saddleback Church is Rick Warren's mega church, one of the largest churches yes. in the States. And, Which, um, incidentally, I had no idea was Southern Baptist so until this whole hullabaloo. So same, same, same. I assumed it was a non-denominational, just sort I of evangelical too. Kind church. Kind of California thing. Yeah, I had no idea it's a Southern Baptist I, same. church. So that actually becomes really important because um, Rick Warren and his wife are retiring. But I think it was a year ago, maybe two years ago, Catherine, they began ordaining female pastors. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) We didn't plan that. (laughs) Um, And yet, because they're part of the Southern Baptist Church, which is really antithetical Mm -hmm. to female pastors, Mm -hmm. at least by statement, there's a question, should Saddleback be, um, the the language they're using is like uh, disfellowed. Should should there be a disfellowship regarding... Breaking up up is hard to do. Breaking up is hard to do regarding... Um, regarding his church. 
And part of the controversy is because, they're like I said, they're retiring and they've named a new pastor. His wife is a teaching pastor, so there's controversy about that. Anyway, it's that fun discussion, like, can women be pastors? Mm. And so much so to the point, like, the this church may not even be able to be a Southern Baptist church anymore because of their stance on the ordination of women. Hmm. So that's a clash, obviously. Um, Catherine, I would like to hear your unfettered feelings about it. <laughs> My <laughs> unfettered feelings. put you on the feelings. spot before I say mine. Well, I have feelings. I also have thoughts. Maybe I'll start with thoughts. You start with thoughts. Well, you know, how about maybe maybe perceptions? Okay. I, I like have it. to confess, I think I've said this to you before, I had heard... The words Southern Baptist my whole life. Yeah. I couldn't begin to pinpoint when I first heard the word Southern Baptist. Yeah. I've always been aware that they exist. I was a pastor's kid myself. Mm-hmm. I definitely grew up in the American church milieu. But I had no idea anything about them or how big they were or how much influence mm. they had over American Christianity until I got on Twitter a few years ago. <laughs> oh, wow. And have ever since been... Treated to thoughts on their every move. <laughs> yep. So I I have never stepped into a Southern Baptist church. Okay. It's not super important to me what they yeah what they do or yeah. think. There are people all around the world who, under the name Christian or otherwise, believe and do many things that I disagree with. Yeah. Um, but they do seem to have an incredible impact. They absolutely on- do. Both, I would say, American Christianity as well as the perception mm-hmm. of American Christianity. Mm-hmm. I would say they have an impact on American politics as yes. well, which is a whole other conversation. Which is another thing I had no idea yeah. about that stream until until Twitter. Yeah. So, you know, not surprisingly, I'm in, I'm in seminary. I'm getting a Master's of Divinity, and mm-hmm. you are yourself a pastor. Mm-hmm. So I definitely, strongly, wholeheartedly disagree with the Southern Baptists on this, yeah. I think. Um, all throughout the Bible, but especially in the New Testament, we see both Jesus and Paul raising up, yep. um, sending out, yep. and commending, complimenting yep. and commending women uh, for preaching the gospel mm-hmm. um, in all capacities. Yep. Um, there are definitely verses that say things yes. um, that are confusing, mm-hmm. um, but I don't actually see very many churches asking women to be silent or to never teach. Nope. Um, so... I don't think anyone really takes that at face value. Yeah. I mean, some some groups some do. Some groups do. Um, but not the Southern Baptist Church. No, definitely um, not. In the meantime, I think we have to look at the context. If Paul is going to say, Phoebe, take this letter to the Romans. Yes, and, and publicly and declare publicly it. And publicly declare like yes. read it to the entire mm-hmm. church, and you have my blessing to do that. Mm-hmm. And if he's going to thank Lydia and so many others, Dunia, mm-hmm. um, yeah. for their work in partnership in the faith. Yeah. Uh, we we have to say okay, well, since Paul was sending out women to preach and teach mm-hmm. in the churches, mm-hmm. the gospel of Jesus, since the prophets said that yeah. God's spirit would be poured out on women who would yeah. prophesy, since Jesus sent women to tell the good news from right. the resurrection, the right. incarnation, everything, we can't just say, "Oh, we clearly understand what this one verse is saying." Yeah. We have to put yeah. it in context. Yeah. So, I think that's good, Catherine. That's my thoughts, I suppose. Yeah. So, the so I agree with you wholeheartedly on all of that. Here's my question related to related to Saddleback. I actually I I'm wondering if if the Southern Baptists are really going to like um die on the altar of patriarchy, then probably Saddleback should 
break up. Yes, absolutely. So it's I, probably not a good fit. I almost feel like, I mean, it's interesting because though I totally disagree with their decision to have male-only pastors in the SBC, I actually am like, oh yeah, they probably should invite Saddleback to leave. Yes. That would make sense based on right. their stances and their... Because I don't think the SBC as a boat <laughs> is going to like be moved no. in a new direction. No, no, no. Right? Although, SBC did used to ordain women. I um, know they used to ordain decades women. Ago. Have they forgotten their own I, history? Possibly. Yeah. Uh, well, I think certainly. <laughs> yeah. On many levels. Yeah. But uh, one thing that's confusing to me, and again, I come at this very much as an outsider, yeah. but I have heard a lot of rhetoric from the Southern Baptists recently that they are incapable of sort of managing or governing their congregations because they're separate. Mm-hmm. They have uh, congregational authority. I'm yeah. not using the right words because, yeah. again— um, that they are a conglomeration mm-hmm. of individual churches. They have autonomy. They don't as have yeah. hierarchical authority yeah. in the denomination. Right. And that's why they can't really do anything to discipline a church that right. is abusing right. women, even severely. Right. Um, there have been some extremely severe abuse happening in Southern Baptist churches, yes. and the denomination is saying, well, there's nothing we can do about that. Right. So it's unclear to me why there's something that they can do to discipline a church that is ordaining a woman, but there's nothing that they could do to discipline a church that is abusing a woman. I'm sure I'm missing things as an outsider, but no, I think that's a, that's a fair, that's a fair critique. I, you know, I came to Christ in a Southern Baptist church. My parents are, my parents are actually non-denominational now, but I would say most of the, even the non-denominational churches that I've been a part of have had Southern Baptist roots. Mm -hmm. And so I, this is hard for me because I, I mean, I long to see every expression of the church be her most beautiful self. Mm -hmm. And so to see some of the damage that's been done and still being done over the past, um, at least, you know, several years, I am praying that I'm praying that a new day comes regarding their treatment of women in all areas, um, but especially women in leadership and women being abused. We'll have to see how those stories continue to unfold. Catherine, one of the things I didn't do earlier is really introduce you to our audience. You've been on so much. Oh, I feel like you're just a regular like old hat now. You're just a regular yeah. gal now. Yeah. But uh, let's talk about you for just a minute okay. before we dive into our topic. You are an author, you're a speaker, you are all kinds of other things. So why don't you give us a little rundown of your bio and your books and that kind of thing? Well, sure. Um, I am an author. I have three books of my own um, called Long Days of Small Things, All Shall Be Well, and Fearing Bravely, Risking Love for Our Neighbors, Strangers, and Enemies. Uh, I love writing my own books, but I also spend a lot of time as an editor Mm -hmm. um, editing projects or um, I do work with other authors and writers to edit their own books. I um, am a freelance writer and editor, and I also love to speak. I think that speaking to a group of people about spiritual formation or um, anything that I've written or just really any... It's just so fun as a writer who's normally in a little corner in yeah. my in my room at yeah. my desk to bring some content to people face to face. Yeah, and so. you're so good at it. I love anything having to do with words, radio, mm. writing. Where can uh, people find and follow you? Find your books, all of that stuff. Well, if you the keywords are Catherine McNeil, you have to spell them correctly. M C N I E L. 
Um, but that's my website is katherinemcneil.com. My social media handles are at Catherine McNeil. Easy to remember. Easy to remember. And my books are anywhere books are sold. So if you want to look me up on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, Catherine McNeil. There you go. All right. Thanks for that, Catherine. I kind of put you on the spot there, but I appreciate it. I want the people to know who you are. Go and buy Catherine's books. Um, okay, Catherine, speaking of writers, there was a writer over at Relevant Magazine asking a question that I thought was kind of interesting. Are Christians thinking about their bodies all wrong? Ooh. Before we dive into what this author has to say, what do you think about that question? Well, uh, I don't know yet what yeah. she's saying <laughs> yeah. about it, but I think that's very likely. I do think we get a lot wrong yeah. in thinking and talking about our bodies from a Christian standpoint, yeah. but I'm going to reserve judgment until I find okay. out what is being said here. That is here. such a diplomatic answer, Catherine. Okay, so here's ultimately what um, I think is the crux of this article. So I- I'm going to share it with you and okay. then we can unpack. Um Uh, This author says that uh, she was reading what she thought would be a fairly dry theological book, and she came across this thought. Though we are primarily spiritual beings, persons who think and imagine and desire and choose, we can act in this spiritual and personal way only because our bodiliness Mm. places us in time and space and allows us to communicate with one another. She goes on to say, yes, my body is a temple, a vessel, a mortal coil. But something about this particular statement gave me a flash of eternal perspective. This is her quote. Our bodies place us, primarily spiritual beings, in time and place. And then she goes on and says, what if instead of being a burden and something to be endured, our current bodily manifestation is a special gift that enables our spirits to be anchored in time and space for a time to do work that can Mm. only be done using our bodies and will be viewed as a period of special opportunity in our eternal existence. Um, thoughts about that? Who? Wow, I have, I do have thoughts about that. It's interesting because I like where she's going. I like that she's saying that our bodies are good. Yeah, they are given to us for this time um, to do something that we can only do in our bodies. But what confuses me is sort of the the dichotomy that she's setting up at the beginning. And I do realize she's quoting another writer saying that we are primarily spiritual beings um, and that our body is like a temporary thing, Mm -hmm. but primarily we're not creatures. Primarily we are spirit. Mm -hmm. And as I understand both um, Genesis and the, the Hebrew way of seeing the world, which we believe is revealed by God, um, we are very creaturely. Yeah, God yeah. created a creaturely world. Yeah. Um, and in fact, came and embodied it himself. Right. Um, and is going to redeem the world in a creaturely sense. Right. And so we are not primarily spiritual beings. We are primarily embodied mm. beings. And mm. so I like where she's going, but I don't agree that where she's beginning is a Christian uh, yeah, a I, Christian. Premise. I agree. Like, I think there, there's an interesting there's an interesting thread here that um, I mean, she does even say this is how Jesus lived. He was a timeless spirit, but chose to be anchored in time and space, limited years in an earthly body. But this is the part where I I, I would push back. She says, but he knew his body was necessary for accomplishing his mission 
he didn't obsess about his physical limitations. He rested and ate when his body required it. Like, I, yes, all those things are true. But what it sounds like to me, is she's saying that Jesus like almost put on mm-hmm. a body. And I actually think that's a heretical thought. It, that Jesus, it is, like, actually is. Put on a body for a time and now is no longer incarnated. And those what we read of Scripture is that Jesus is incarnated on the cross. And we're getting a little heady. So let's talk to like, why does this matter? I think ultimately is the question. And I, I do think part of it, I'd love to hear your thoughts, Catherine, but I think part of it has to do with like not assuming our bodies are these yucky, horrible, terrible, Mm. sinful things, Mm -hmm. but that when, when we are filled with the Holy spirit as followers of Jesus, that part of our being made Christ-like is even like our body being made into goodness. And so the physical world that we live in and the physical world that we, um, actually like our bodies, our skin, our flesh, like all of that is loved by God. All of that is being made whole and not just like the inner part of us. Yes. What do you think? Well, you know, I think the Bible tells a story that was incredibly subversive and controversial in its time, Mm. thousands of years ago in the ancient world. And it says that God created this physical world on purpose and with love and with purpose and that it's the physical world that Jesus came into, and it's the physical world that will ultimately be redeemed. And I think that it matters that Christians realize that that's foundational to the Christian story because we can't have sort of like, well, it's all going to burn, sort of a, a perspective. The Christian perspective is that God cares about these trees and this Mm -hmm. air and this water and is working to renew it. Yeah. Is re- working to re- he, God cares about my body and is working to renew yeah. my body. Yeah. Um, God cares about actual people and their actual needs and mm-hmm. their embodied experiences and is meeting us here. Yeah. We don't have to put our bodies aside so in good. order to meet God. In fact, I've written a book about that. You too. have written a book about that, which yeah. you can buy on Amazon. <laughs> um, I I also think, I mean, I'm ju- I'm just forming this now, Catherine, but I do think some of the... Some of the things that we have done wrong in conversations even about around racism are this, divorcing people's body and their skin from their soul. We've said, I don't see color. Color doesn't matter. Where people of color are actually saying, no, 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 no. My color, my experience in my body, my ancestors' experience in their bodies matters deeply. And I need you to honor that. And so I do think this even goes to how we dignify one another in conversation. If we can see that we are... Uh, our bodies and our souls are intertwined and important to God, then that can help us, I think, see each other and treat each other in with more dignity and more value. Yes, I that is that's something to mull over for a while. And and I would go even including I definitely would include race, but even things like poverty and suffering. Mm, that's good. Um, this isn't a place where God is abandoning yeah. or a place where we can turn our back, but a place where we are invited yeah. to enter in with understanding and realize that it's in these very physical, very human, very creaturely places that God is, is asking to us to meet him. Yeah. That's, that's so good. So ultimately listeners, your body is good. That's, that's what we want to say to you. And you are not divorced from your body, but God has given you your body on purpose. That's right. One of the things that we like to do 
every week on social media is post something that we're calling the social media water cooler question. And we call it that because, Catherine, you you know, you've been in the office world for a while. You remember the water cooler. Oh, yes. Oh, my. Sort of stereotypically, you'd Uh gather around the water cooler and talk about the game from before, the gossip. Everyone was watching last night. Yeah. Who's dating or whatever. Yeah. So we have now taken that online. Okay. Social media water cooler. And we ask the people a question, sometimes serious, sometimes funny, just to see what their responses are. So um, this week we asked people who were their heroes, mm. fictional or real life, growing up and why. And uh, let's maybe before we see some of the answers that we got, which are actually really fun. Do you have a hero when you were oh, a kid? Did wow. you have a hero when you were a kid? So this is not your typical answer, but it's super on brand for me. My hero when I was a kid was Amy Carmichael. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the people who Amy Carmichael is for those who don't know. She was a woman. Uh, I love this. She was Irish, I believe. And she uh, traveled to India as a missionary. Um, South India and lived there her whole life. I don't think she ever. I don't think she ever traveled. Wow. Back home. I mean, she probably did at some point. Yeah. But she lived there until she was an old lady, and she died there. Oh, I love it. I just absolutely loved her biographies when I was a kid. I ate them up, and I actually. It, I know it's super on brand for me. I don't know any celebrities, Wait, but you also followed in her footsteps for well, a time. I did my internship actually in South India. Not necessarily connected to my love of her but I had this crazy experience where I was chatting with a woman who actually uh, runs an orphanage in South India now today and she and I were just chatting and she was raised (gasps) by Amy Carmichael what in an orphanage are you kidding I am dead serious how did you finally figure that out just like we were just chatting yeah (gasps) like we were just chatting no I have a picture of her and I Oh, I Granted, this was like 25 years ago because, you know, right. we're, we're old. Right. But we are old. But yeah, that's so fun. Yeah, so, OK, I love I that. I couldn't meet my hero because she was yeah. no longer on this world. Yeah. But you met your hero's progeny. Yes. I love that. Yeah. That's so fun. Like an adopted daughter or granddaughter. I love that. I, I'm trying to think if I, I don't know that I really had a hero growing up, but I really liked um this is not quite the same as a hero, but I, you remember the Ramona books by oh, Beverly Clay? Yes. I, Ramona to me felt like a hero in the sense that she was like a kindred spirit. Oh, for sure. And I wanted to be here. Probably yes. a lot of the girls our age yes. felt that way. And so if, probably if I was thinking enough about it, I would say Beverly Cleary was probably oh. my hero who crafted Ramona and wrote all the books about Ramona just even as an author. But I don't think I was thinking that deeply. I was just yeah. thinking, I this love girl. Yeah. this girl. I connect yeah. with this Ramona. girl. Yeah. I was Ramona many years for uh, Halloween. Were you? Yep. Really fun. Okay. So here are some people's okay. uh, childhood heroes. that We've got some good answers. Um, somebody put uh, in their childhood Wonder Woman. And she oh, says, yes. okay, still a bit as uh-huh. an adult. She says now uh, Brian Stevenson, the Grim oh, Key yes. Sisters. Jane, who I don't know who the Grimke sisters are. Jane Austen. And then she says, people who aren't afraid to use their skills to push for liberation against the social systems and quoes of the day. It's a good one, right? Yes. Um, uh, Another friend of mine wrote, Batman, exclamation point, a billionaire playboy doesn't care about his lot, but gives everything to fight the bad guys for the people of his city. No superpowers, just a sense of justice and duty. I would add, and a lot of money. He truly is Batman. Bruce Wayne is his identity. (laughs) Uh, Somebody else got a little more personal, a cousin, ladies at church and teachers. Hmm. Um, Somebody else said, 
I might be aging myself. Uh, I loved Isis. My mom sewed an Isis outfit for me, and I used to run around saying, oh, mighty Isis, Isis, Isis. So I was thinking of oh. like maybe the Greek goddess, but was there a show or something? Or I do, I was I think unfortunately was thinking of the terror organization, but now oh, I'm on board and I'm realizing yeah. this is the Greek I th- goddess. I think there was a show about ISIS from the 70s. So I think that's what this person is talking about. We'll okay. have to we'll have I to Google that, that later. show entirely. Okay, this one this one's funny, and I'm gonna have to um, edit this a little bit. But somebody put Daisy Duke. Because she was beautiful, kind, and could assemble a carburetor in a dark room and yeah. win the competition, even when the unjust opponents tried to stack the deck against her. That's that's very true. That's okay. very true. Yep. Uh, and we got another Wonder Woman because she could hold her own in the name of justice and look good doing it. Joan of Arc because of her fearless and courageous spirit, pursuit of trusting her inner voice, God's wisdom, and breaking societal barriers when necessary for the greatest and highest good. All of these women, this person is saying, gave me permission to be a proud, quote, tomboy to embrace both my inner masculine and feminine energies alike, even when my peers weren't necessarily doing it and my tribe wasn't necessarily comfortable with it. Hey. Yeah, it's a pretty strong statement. Yeah. So those were uh, the answers that we got this week, which is pretty fun. Um, Catherine, uh, yes. you do something on social media every single Wednesday that I, I think do. is pretty fun. Can you tell our people about it? Yes. Okay. I have this thing. I call it Shouty Wednesdays, and it's on Facebook. I've tried it on Twitter, and it just doesn't seem to take off on Twitter. But on Facebook, I go to my, my personal account, and I write, It's Wednesday, and it is time to shout. Whatever your joy and despair, there is room for it right here. I love it. And it is it has truly become an amazing thing. I get dozens of people um, shouting in all caps, um, all their joy, all their despair. And it's it's what I love about it is we'll have like someone sharing about like a cancer diagnosis. And then in the next one, it'll be someone talking about they're excited about their new refrigerator. <laughs> but all of the people on my Facebook page, they don't even know each other, but they gather around each other. Um, to pray for the person with a cancer diagnosis, yeah. to celebrate oh, the new refrigerator. Uh, it's really, really cool to see people bring a little bit of vulnerability and then be met. I feel yeah. like that's something that's really lacking on social media a lot of yeah. times is being heard and seen. And I feel like that happens. So l- listener out there, I do close this off. My privacy settings, it's only to friends. Right. But because I'm an author, I accept friend requests from anyone <gasps> okay, who appears nice. to not be a bot. Okay. So <laughs> if you want in, you, you can, can get you in. You can get in. You can get in. That's so fun. You too can I, shout on I Wednesdays. love how you're building community on social media. That's so fun. Uh, Catherine, you and I will give some people behind the scenes. We drove to the studio this afternoon and... Uh, I had to get gas on the way. Yes, and indeed. I was telling you, I feel like a little like I'm in high school again when I had like my I had an allowance of let's say it was ten dollars a week, and so I would put like four dollars in <laughs> gas to be able to get to my friend's house, right, or right. get to the movie's house, and I'd and I'd like so carefully stop it like at like three seventy yes. and like push. Push, push until it got to four and oh, it was terrible when it'd go to like 411 or something like that. Felt like I was doing that because I only wanted to put a little bit of gas in the car with the amount of money that I have left this pay period. Right. So I was like, careful, careful, careful. So all that to say, I think all of us are feeling the pinch of gas prices and inflation. You know, we can make some jokes about like, I mean, none of us are getting rid of the Internet yet or our cable yet. So we're we're still OK. Now, I shouldn't say it. some people might be. 
But in general, like it uh, may not be as painful as it could be. But I think we're all feeling the pinch, especially at uh, the gas pump. Oh, yeah. Um, Tell me how uh, to how you're feeling, how you and Matthew are handling inflation these days. Uh, Well, you know, we're not going to Yellowstone next week. (laughs) So sad. Um, I, you know, I think we are probably asking ourselves, do I need to drive to that place, Mm -hmm. um, a little bit more often, but for the most part, our society is really centered around the assumption that you have a vehicle and you can take it whenever you need it. You know, there's not really another way to get to work. Yeah, it's true. There's not another way to get groceries. Yeah. Um, you're either using gas for your car or you're paying for your delivery person's gas, which is going to rise labor costs and food costs. So pretty much we're not doing a whole lot different. Um, But just kind of going, I got to tell you, you, there were, we were a family of five. We own two cars, almost have three drivers. But uh, the other day in the morning, I was taking my car and I was very much on empty. So I stopped and get gas. I filled it up all the way. And then that afternoon or evening, I was taking my husband's car out. Oh, no. And he was also on empty. And I'm I'm talking like gas lights are on. Like, I'm not going to make it home. So I had to fill up his car, too. You feel that. And I was like, hey, we need to talk. Because I just, you don't feel the $200 I just spent. But that's a lot of money that just left our bank account. Yes, that is a lot of money. We are down, we're we're driving, I've told people on the air this before, Brian and I, I've talked about this. We're down to driving Kevin's car because he gets a lot better gas mileage and he's walking to work okay. or as much as we can. Like kids, nope, ride your bikes. Like yeah. we're not going to drive you right. there. Just trying to do whatever we can that way. Um, so I was over at BuzzFeed, Catherine, and you know, BuzzFeed is not the place to go for like hard news, yeah. but it, it's a place to go for entertaining news with, without and, a doubt. Yeah. And so there was a person there saying now that, uh, her name is Morgan Sloss. Now that inflation is at a whopping 8.6, here are all the things I'm doing to save money. And some of these are actually kind of, some of these are great ideas. Some of these you said you already do. Some of these are kind of entertaining, too. So okay. uh, we'll just go through the list. I'll read the first one and can talk about it. She says, I am determined to get every last drop out of the products I buy by adding water. So there's a picture of shampoo or like the soap, the hand soap. My husband does this. He adds water to everything to get as oh, much of it as he can. Absolutely. You were saying you do that, too. Yes. Uh, so I did kind of chuckle when you showed me this article because almost everything on here I was like wait you're like this I did this before just how I live my life <laughs> like yeah like there's a picture of her shampoo bottle uh-huh. and it's empty uh-huh. but if you add a little bit of water to it you can get at least one or two more hair yeah. washes out yeah, of it that's true. and you're adding water to your shampoo anyway when you put it on your head good so point. good point I don't know why you wouldn't do that <laughs> uh, we <laughs> We spend quite a few weeks with our shampoo or conditioner bottles upside down in the shower. <laughs> so they'll get all the way. Yes. And my husband totally. is even more serious about this than I am. I will be the one to be like, no, seriously, this is going in the recycling bin now. <laughs> we cannot yeah. get any more out of this. <laughs> the thing that we do is we'll buy a, like a brand of lotion and you think it's empty. And then you, of course, you open up the thing and you realize like there's so much more lotion at the bottom. It's just not like coming through the pump anymore. Uh-huh. So I've gotten to the point where I will like cut off the top half of the lotion and just like scoop my hand in Amazing. to get the rest because I am like, that's one thing I'm like, yes. no, there's a lot of lotion in there. I am not going to give up that. That's right. Give up that lotion. Okay, so 
Um, she also adds water to things like milk, uh, which I think is a little gross. No, but I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you want to share the second one, Catherine? The second one is uh, baffling me. She <laughs> says that her eating out budget has gone way down, and I, I feel that. I feel that a lot. Yes, definitely. Again, my eating out budget has always been down. Yeah. <laughs> but what she is doing instead? <laughs> this one cracked me up. Is buying a California Pizza Kitchen. Frozen, frozen pizza. pizza. Like get the Target brand at least. Well, or the store do you know brand. what is really cheap is flour and water and salt and tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a woman who is struggling with her budget. Yeah, she's not hurting. She's fine. No, she's fine. That's no. actually really funny. Yeah. She, uh, same thing. She gets tired of making her own food, so she's going to McDonald's and she ordering. She gets tired the kids. of heating up her right. frozen pizza, <laughs> so she gets a kids meal. She at gets McDonald's. a kids meal instead of the adult meal. So she mm-hmm. says she's saving money that way. Uh, but you know, she also will sometimes go out with a coupon. She, and I do have to say, if you're not yeah. going out with a coupon, you are leaving money on the table. Yeah. I I don't go out with coupons unless it's been emailed to me, Aubrey. My husband has never one time in 20 years of marriage and two years of dating taken me out to dinner without at least Stop. a 50% off coupon. Come on. But he likes to get 75 off if he can. <laughs> and oh, girl, we do. We eat good. Wow. And we do not spend okay. very much money for it. Wow, that's impressive. If you're not using a coupon, you are leaving money yeah, on the table. No, I'm definitely not using coupons. Um, okay, she price shops her gas, so she'll go around to you know the different stations to find the cheaper one. That's, that's good fair. advice. Yeah. So Although, I, unless you use a lot of gas. Right. Getting to the cheapest station. I mean, that's actually a really solid point. Like, yeah. is does it become a sunk cost at right. the end? Um, she is finding cheaper alternatives for, like, uh, where to go and what to do. Okay, sure. Okay. And then uh, you want to, let's see, do you have the last one here, Catherine? Let's see. Oh, uh, I guess I'm kind of a critic of this, of these uh, things, because she has started using Kindle Unlimited instead of buying new books. <laughs> right. And I'm an author, so yeah. you are just not going to talk me into that. Yeah. I tried Kindle Unlimited, yeah. but I like really good books. I like really so. good books, and I like I like also owning my books, but also she could go to the library. The library. Mm-hmm. And even if she didn't want to walk to the library, most libraries have an app that yep. you can use yep. to get audiobooks or Kindle books. So, yeah. I'm going to share one more thing because I actually did think this was good. This kind of goes back to uh, some of the things we were talking about before we even started this conversation. She has begun looking through her subscriptions and memberships and canceling the ones you don't need. And I feel like that's when you start to really feel it. Like if you've got a membership to like a car wash or a certain, uh, I don't know, stream streaming service you start to cancel those that's when i'm like okay you're really you're really sacrificing for your budget at that point okay okay so those are some tips if we missed any we'd love to hear yours some of these we think are kind of entertaining because we would do them anyway (laughs) Uh, but let us know at common good talk your best tips for saving money during this inflation season uh so one thing that's fun about Catherine mcneil friends is that um uh Catherine grew up really liking star wars yeah right it's true yeah like in like your a fa- lot like your family watched star oh, wars a lot yeah kind of thing. one yeah. of my core early memories is coming downstairs when i was supposed to be in bed and my mom was watching one of the star wars movies yeah. on the tv and she was too engrossed in it to put me to bed so i sat and watched <gasps> it and i was definitely too young and yeah. 
it was like life changing, a profound experience. Wow, yeah, that's very very fun. So I know Star Wars shapes you at an nerdy. early age. You want to know my nerdy stuff? So my mom liked Star Wars, but my mom was a massive Dune and Star Trek fan. Yeah. So I have many memories sitting on the couch with my mom watching, oh, yeah. which the first Dune is like the cheesiest movie ever, but she watched it constantly. And so we would watch that and then watch Star Trek. She was so into Star Trek. Well, here's the thing. I grew up Star Wars and Star Trek. Okay. Like, Often people feel like they have to choose one right. universe or the other, they but do feel we that were way. full bore on both. Mm-hmm. But... When Dune, when the Dune movie came out just like a year yes, ago, which was all amazing. of my friends were like, Catherine, you must be such a fan. <laughs> and I was like, I have never heard of Dune. <gasps> oh, wow. And then I did enjoy that movie. Yeah, that was a great But movie. I have not read the books. Oh, I did not okay. see the old show yeah. or whatever it was. I have a, um, it was an old movie and it was okay. kind of a cult classic, but it's kind of terrible. I have a Dune pop-up book I'll share with you sometime. Oh, that would be lovely. Yeah, you'd like it. Thank you. Okay. So speaking of nerd dumb, uh, today is the final episode of the new Obi-Wan Kenobi yeah. show on Disney Plus. Have you watched any of it? No, I actually haven't because okay. there's this kind of political thing in my family where all of my kids have to see it together at the same time gotcha. or they get upset. Okay. And so we've sort of been waiting gotcha. for a moment this summer where we can just sort of all binge it all it. together. Oh, because fun. otherwise yeah. people get upset. Yeah. Okay. So this is our night. Like after the okay. show, I will go home and we watch uh, whatever the latest Disney Plus is and eat pizza. Yeah. So we'll be yeah, watching yeah. the Obi-Wan finale, Ms. Marvel okay. and eating pizza. So okay. that's kind of our, but we do, I like make my kids wait or I get really mad or they right. have to watch it again if they right. cheat. So right. anyway. Okay. So with that in mind, your love of Star Wars and in okay. honor of the Obi-Wan uh, finale, which is tonight, I'm going to give you a quiz, Catherine, that uh, Brian actually gave me a few weeks ago, but it's oh. very entertaining. Okay. Here's what it is. You're in seminary, so I feel like all the worlds are coming together here. Mm. Is it Star Wars or is it the Bible? Oh, no. So I'm going to read you a quote, and you're going to take a guess. Is it uh, Was the quote from the Bible, the Word of God, or from the words of George Lucas and whoever wrote the Star Wars script? Well, I feel kind of anxious because if I fail this, yeah. am I both? Do I have to turn in my seminarian and my Star Wars cards? So I feel like <clears throat> let's think about it positively. Whichever one you win you're you're just like that now becomes the top tier thing about you oh, okay. but the other still the okay. second thing so it okay. could go star wars seminary it could go seminary star okay. wars we'll see either way i feel like that's a win in your either life way, it's a win. and you can boast about it online okay. so here oh, we and go. i will all right here we go okay well done my good and faithful apprentice <laughs> wait that's tricky that's tricky because you said the word apprentice throws everything off it's gotta it? be star wars even though well done my good and faithful Servant would be scripture. You are correct. That was Star Wars. Okay. Um, Does he promise and not fulfill? That's the Bible. That is the Bible. Look at you. Two for two. Two for two. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Oh, now see, that's Romans 12. Okay. I just wrote a book about that. Okay. Romans 12, you are correct. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. Man, that one could really go both ways. I'm going to say Star Wars. Okay, let's go Star Wars. That is the Bible. Uh, So, so close. So, so close. Okay. You're you're still pretty solid. Okay. Okay, here we go. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. Oh, man. Even the way that's worded is tricky, right? Because it sounds very like Yoda-ish. The way it's it's worded, I I don't know. I don't know how to help you out on this one. Oh, my goodness. I guess I'm going to say 
Bible. Cake, cake. Oh, it's the Bible. Oh, well done. Yeah. Well done. Okay, you should know this one. Okay. Who is the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? <gasps> Catherine. That's Star Wars. That's Star Wars, yeah. That's Ben. <gasps> I just, okay. like, I could see him saying it. Yeah, but you're but questioning yourself. I, I've really started to second guess myself this is a tricky. This is a tricky quiz. Okay, here we go. I don't know this one at all. Oh, no. And where does darkness reside? Oh, my. Star Wars. I'm going with Star Wars. Okay. That's what I think I would have. Nope. That was oh. the Bible. I think I would have gone Star Wars. You know, on that I think too. it's I think it's a different translation. It's than a the different one translation. I, I use. <laughs> okay. All right. Question number eight. Okay. I fear something terrible has happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally everyone everywhere since the beginning of time. Uh let's go with Star Wars. I, I think I would have gone with Star Wars too. That was Star Wars. Okay, okay. 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 Army or not. You must realize you are doomed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, tricky. I think in the Bible it would be the other way around. It would be like you don't have an uh, army, but I will the Lord will fight for that you. Makes sense. That so makes unless sense. this is like a prophet speaking to the Assyrians, which it so could be, <laughs> it could be. I'm going with Star Wars. All right, I'll go Star Wars. That was Star Wars. Oh, well done. Okay. I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. That's the Bible. That's the Bible. All right. Uh, are you an angel? <laughs> <laughs> Is that you asking me, Aubrey? Because yes. Hey, girl. <laughs> are you an angel? I'm going with Star Wars. All right. That is Star Wars. Okay. I know that one. Okay. Also a good pickup line. <laughs> okay. Here's a good one. Oh, no. Now fulfill your destiny and take your father's place at my side. <laughs> I think that's the Bible. Okay, let's go Bible. That was Star Wars. Oh. I right. thought that was like a creative uh, translation okay. of one of those parables. Oh, I thought that was really good. Okay. It also felt too obvious. Uh, obviously like Star Wars. Yeah, that one, that did feel too okay. obvious. That was pretty funny. Okay, here, here's another one. Okay. If only we knew the power of your anger. Hmm, that one... Could definitely be either one, but I'm going to go with Star Wars on this okay. one too. Let's see what happens. That one is the Bible. <laughs> okay. Oh. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. You know what? I'm starting to be suspicious of this quiz. I don't know that I want to play this game anymore. They are, they are making things very the way. Say that again. Things, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. I'll say the Bible. That is the Bible. Oh, well done. I find your lack of faith disturbing. That is Star Wars. That is Star Wars. That is correct. Fear is the path to the dark side. <laughs> Well, I wrote a book very recently about how that is a theme in the Bible. Interesting. But those words came from Star those Wars. Those words came from Star Wars, yep. All right, we're going to give you one more, Catherine. Okay. Too long I have lived among those who hate peace. That's the Bible. That is the Bible. Woo, woo, okay. Woo. So, um, Catherine, you scored okay. a 70%. Oh, that's not so that's good. Not, I mean, that's actually pretty good. I, I I feel like, I mean, that's a solid, 
you know, that's a solid above 50%. So I think you can still have both of your crowns, okay. your Star Wars crown and your well, seminary crown with honor. Would you not report this to my seminary, though? I, I will call them immediately. Oh, dear. <laughs> If you've listened to the show, you know that song and you know what that means. It is time for something we like to do here at The Common Good called Grinds My Gears. Now, uh, my name is Aubrey Sampson. Welcome to The Common Good. I am joined by my special guest co-host, Catherine McNeil. Catherine is new to Grinds My Gears. So I I'm going to explain what this is, Catherine. We'll see how well you do. Oh, not again. So Grinds My Gears, like we understand during the show, we've talked about an earthquake in Afghanistan. We've talked about flooding at Yellowstone. We've talked about the church against women in leadership. Like we talk about hard things on yeah. the show. Yeah. This is not that. Oh, this is where you vent about things like Brian's probably most infamous Grinds My Gears is venting about people who put their dogs in strollers and walk them like babies or like a paper straws that kind of thing um brian's big complaint now i never heard this because i i wasn't here then but brian's big complaint is that his old co-host ian was really bad at this oh and he would be like you know brian would be very petty and and griping about all kinds of things and then um ian would apparently say things like you know what grinds my gears how much i love my wife (laughs) (laughs) That. So Brian says it was never fun with Ian. Yeah, that's not a game. So I feel like you're going to be better at this than Ian. Well, I mean, I could go off on the other end. I could be like, you know what grinds my gears? Injustice. Right. That's not what this is. We don't talk okay. about like world hunger. This is not about like the war okay. in Ukraine. I'll try. This is like petty, shallow okay. kind of venting. Okay. And it's we feel like because we have a mic in our hand, like this is our moment to do oh, okay. it. Okay. Okay. Yep, yep. So I'm going to, um, I'm, I'm going to. Uh, bear my soul as a Gen Xer. Okay, uh, I am. You and I are both solidly yes, Gen solid. Xers. Which there are things Proud about us of it. Yes, we had the best music. Definitely. We um, did not have mentors. We um, uh, we're a little cynical. Oh, a little. Yeah. And I would here's here's something that grinds me my gears. Let's, to be honest, <laughs> I'm just coming up with this right now. It's not even my turn. I, love I don't this. think we've even started. I love this. Do it. Go, girl. Gen Xers are the ones who insisted on authenticity. Millennials are the ones who destroyed our efforts <laughs> towards authenticity, and yet they get the credit for being the authentic generation. So this is very funny to me because on uh, Monday's show, I had uh, some. Uh, I had the staff of Generation Distinct here: okay. Hannah Bernowski, yes. Aaron Barnett, uh, and um, uh, Patrick McGuire, one of their teammates. And we talked about this very same thing mm. because they said what they see the next generation longing for is authentic church, mm. authentic leaders, authenticity. And I said, well, hold up. Hold that is up. not a generational thing for Gen Z and millennials. That's a Gen X thing. We started that. And they said they defined it as they want to see people that are authentically good through and through authentically good. So uh, I was like, oh, but I agree with you. We that it grinds my gears, too. That was deeply this important to our us. Thing. This is our thing. Our yes thing, and we don't get the credit for it, which is no. very on brand. So on brand. So on and brand. That grinds Gen my gears yep. too. Yep. Okay. Okay. So you get the hang of it. You're already in it. <laughs> All right. Do you have another Am one? Am I like an overachiever? It grinds my gears. You might be the winner. It grinds my gears. Yes. So well done. That's what that Brian's going to complain about that at the next grinds my gears. Okay. When he's back he probably how will. well you're doing. Okay. So, um, 
Catherine, do you want me to keep going? Because I, I got think some more you millennial should, stuff. Yeah, no, I interrupted you. So why don't you keep okay. going? Okay. So I don't know if this is necessarily millennial or Gen Z, but I'm going to complain about the youths these days. Okay. okay. Which I know makes me sound old, and oftentimes I like to sound younger than I am. But I have recently been with some younger millennial slash Gen Zers, and I'm putting them together, which isn't fair, but I actually don't know how old these people are. Okay. So that's why that's I'm fair. saying it. Now, Catherine, in one sense, this is unfair because you and I will go to lunch together and we both will have our phones out because we are both busy working women. Yes. And so we'll be like, hold up. I need to check on this. Hold up. And but I do say at some point we still really engage in conversation with each other, ask each other questions. Now, there may be the odd interruption, but neither Mm -hmm. of us take it personally necessarily because we understand we have lots of projects going on. Yeah. But what I am finding lately is that some of these youths these (laughs) days uh, don't ever put the phone down and don't ever ask questions. And I feel like I'm in a one-sided conversation where I am like pulling teeth and pulling teeth. and Like it's an interview. Like I'm on the radio, but I'm not on the radio. I'm in real life. And they're scrolling through whatever, laughing about whatever. And it's like, do you care that I'm in the room? Yeah. And I feel like such an old lady saying this, but it feels disrespectful. Oh, oh, yeah. That grinds my gears. Yeah, that Uh, grinds my gears. I have a friend, an acquaintance. Yeah. That when I am in the room with her, I can't, I can maybe like say something, but I'll get interrupted. She'll be like, hang on a second. And she'll be texting. Yeah. And then she'll start to ask me a question and I'll start to answer. And she'll be like, hang on a second. She'll be texting. But... So I'm thinking to myself, well, I can't, we yeah. can't make any headway here at yeah. all. But if I ever text her, she writes back right away. <gasps> Interesting. So I feel like we connect online. Yeah, but not but in real life. But we don't ever connect. Yeah. When we're in the same room. So what if it's just like a lost art of conversation or something that I'm venting about? <sighs> that grinds know. my gears. It grinds your gears. Okay, I'm going to tell you one more thing that grinds okay. my gears. Okay. Um, it's about male fashion for the younger generation. O-M-G. So sometimes I think it's cute. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I... It'd be fun. It'd be fun to see Kevin like up his fashion. But then when I think about Kevin wearing what some of the millennials and Gen Zers are wearing, I die laughing because it would not look good and it would look hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like he's trying too hard. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I do see like Gen X. I would say even pastors that are men that are our age are trying millennial slash youth fashion with like their cool jeans and their and it's not a good. It's not a good look. You know, Aubrey, because I'm Gen Xer, yeah. authenticity <laughs> matters a lot to me. Yes, you first before and anyone so else. So these influencers just strike me as a little over the top. It's a little over the top. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's what I mean. Maybe influencer fashion from mm-hmm. the next gen is a little bit over the top. Yep. It grinds my gears a little bit. Well, if we're going to talk about fashion, yeah. If we could just mention women's fashion, let's talk. The jeans that come up, like yeah. halfway up yeah. your belly, yeah. I don't think they look good on anybody. So my friend Jen says the same thing because she says they okay. kind of they, they kind of make you look like you don't ha- – I don't want to say too much on the air. They I don't look I, good. I've they don't look sensitive flattering. about that yes. as well. They I, don't flatter anyone's I like them. midsection. I kind of like them. Mm, Aubrey, you grind my gears. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I I don't know what it is. I think I li- I think I like everything being tucked in. Well, you know, rather than like things hanging over, I like everything tucked in. Well, sorry. I might be grinding your gears right now because I'm not tucking anything in. I thought that that style looked bad on everyone when it was 
fashionable yeah. the last time. I think you're not wrong. And I think it looks bad on you're everyone. You're not wrong. No. It's not attractive. It grinds yeah. my it, gears. Yeah, that's a fair grinds your gears. Yeah. Do you have any more grinds? Uh, I have, a, I have a really petty one, but you Let's know, sometimes the pettiest ones get you the most. Yes, absolutely. That's I do true. not even know how to help you to enter into the depth of how much I hate this, but <gasps> oh. I hate it when something falls. <laughs> Wait, unpack this. No. What do you okay, mean? so I'm holding a pen. Okay. I'm setting it down on the desk. Yes. If it rolled off, yeah. my soul would <gasps> just say, no. Really? Yes. Why? Let's hear about this. And like, for example, if so my you're husband- You're good at this game, by the if way, If my Catherine. husband tries to put something on the table yeah. but misses and it falls on the floor, yeah. I will have to stop myself from yelling at him. Stop it. Really? It, it, feels it feels like, like a, a personal, personal affront yeah. <gasps> to me when something falls. Interesting. Have you always felt this way? Always. Do you do you know what this goes back to? Is there trauma in your life regarding <laughs> things falling? Well, I. <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> could we have a guest on that is like a therapist? Or... We could. We could. No, I have no idea. But I also don't like myself to fall. I do not rollerblade. Okay. I do not ice skate. Okay. There will be no falling. No falling. It's probably like a control thing. Oh, that makes you know? sense. Yeah, you've lost control once the pen falls off the table. Yeah. Is it the know. effort it takes to have to clean up? Oh, and no. Like get it? I don't mind that at all. It's just the fact it's, that it occurs. It, it's gravity, I think, that <laughs> grinds my gears. Gravity grinds Catherine McNeil's uh, gears. All right, Catherine, you have officially won. You you understand Sweet. you've won Grinds My Gears. You have like a so, song uh, that we can play for me? Since uh, yeah, okay. I Have the Tiger, I feel like, is, oh, is yes. your song. It is the end of today's show. And at the end of every show, we love to bring you something challenging, inspiring, something to put a smile on your face. And with two authors in the room, mm. we have to talk about reading. We have to. And I think we have to talk about summer reading or quote unquote beach reads because okay. it's that time of year. And uh, Catherine, there's a woman that you and I both know, Modern Mrs. Darcy. Mm -hmm. She has a podcast and a platform called What Should I Read Next? And she recently interviewed an author that I love. Her name is Emily Henry. And she is, Emily Henry is talking about what makes a summer book a summer book. I want us to take a listen. I'm really curious to hear how you think about approaching this season of reading, especially Emily, like you wrote a book called Beach Read. I'd love to know what beach read means to you. Like when you think about a book that's perfect for the time of year we're rolling into, what are you envisioning? Oh, it's just all over the map because for me, what makes something a beach read really is that unput downable quality. So normally it's like got this fairly hooky concept and you and you slip into it right away because there's this question immediately that you need answered. Like I think like everyone in the entire universe has already read this, but The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid, I think is an, a great example. Like it's not like, you know, the light fluffy beach read that I also love. I don't know. There's like this salaciousness to it and this sexiness to it. And as soon as you get into it, you just can't put it down. And I feel like if you're reading on vacation, especially you have so many things competing for your attention mm -hmm. that to me, beach read is synonymous with something that like is going to hold my interest and that I can read very quickly that does include like Ellen Hildebrand's novels are like I feel like the quintessential beach read in a way they're like aesthetically such a beach read they're all set on Nantucket and there's lots of you know champagne being drank and like lots of seafood being eaten and lots of beautiful clothes being described it's all this very aspirational beautiful imagery 
But also a lot of times there is still that like hook or that mystery where you're like, what's going on here? Or like, how is this all going to shake out with all these competing personalities and buried secrets and all of that? And yeah, I think when people like really hit the sweet spot is when they marry those two things where they have like the setting and the trappings of like a vacation feel, but then they're still like, and here is a really juicy story you won't want to put down. (laughs) Yes, that sounds good to me. I think when I think about Beach Read, I mean, obviously, like you can read any number of amazing books during the summer month. You know, a beach read is a book you of read course. on the beach. And yet right. I do want something that um, doesn't maybe require a huge amount of patience and doesn't require yeah. note taking. I'm happy to Kindle yes. highlight. I'm happy to dog ear. But as soon as I need a pen, you know, not just like take notes for fun, but need no. a pen. That's maybe not not where I want to go. That makes perfect sense. Okay. So she talks about how um, summer reading should invoke a certain mood for readers Mm -hmm. and it should have she describes it as like you shouldn't need to pull out a pen because you're like taking notes and studying you just can't even put the book down like maybe you fold it maybe you uh you know you note something but like you just can't quit turning the pages that unput downable quality now would you make a difference between summer books and books for the rest of the year well Aubrey I have to confess I have some insecurities about this maybe the therapist that we were going to bring in from the last segment can talk about this too okay fair fair a few years ago um some friends of my some friends and I were talking and they said well what are your beach reads? What are your summer reads? Yes. And they all shared theirs. And when it was my turn, I happened to, just for fun, for no reason at all, except just I wanted to, was on this kick where I was researching ancient Sumer. Like <laughs> the, the early right. civilizations obviously, at, in the Tigris and Euphrates River Valley. Sure, of course you were. And so I listed... Well, in fact, I think I showed a picture of it, my huge stack of books, <laughs> which were my summer reading yeah. on, on ancient history. Yeah. And Which is authentically you, going back to authentic is. that we talked about before. That is on brand. Those are Catherine. can't yes. put downable for yes. me. Yes. And my friends like looked at me <laughs> and I am not joking. The conversation came to a halt. They walked away. Oh no. They walked not away. really in a mean way, but they just didn't know what to do next. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That's not typically what people are thinking of when they're thinking of but beach I was reads. really That's excited to have a little extra time in the summer. <laughs> To study up on the ancient civilizations I'm of the ancient Near East. I'm so sorry that they weren't willing to engage in that conversation with you. So I have Catherine. some insecurities here. Yeah, when it comes to the beach yeah. read, the whole beach read concept. I do agree with what Emily is saying, and I have not read her books. I'm yeah. intrigued to do so now after hearing a little bit of yeah. this podcast episode. But I do agree that you should not ever feel like you have to keep reading mm. that it should be i can't put it down yeah but that's my standard for all times okay interesting not just in the summer i feel strongly that yeah. if you are not sucked in yeah. you cannot put it down you should put it down okay so this is interesting to me hearing from you because i tend to feel like i need to finish the no, book no matter no, 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 what no 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 and so I, I will sort of divvy up like my morning devotion time will be scripture reading and also the book I feel okay. like I quote unquote should after be reading, reading yeah. that I'm underlining and no, learning no, from no. for research or what have you. And then my afternoon reading, I mean, like I have all this reading time, but you know, when I have time to read in the afternoon and evening, that's my unputtable down. That's my just fun. I've been dying no. to read this. It's on my Amazon no. wishlist book. No, no. You say categorically. Here's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Okay. Life is finite. Fair. 
the number of books that exist in the world are nearing infinite. True. Okay, fair. Let's say that there's a million books in the world. Yeah. We will only have time to read 500. Right. Don't waste a single book okay. credit okay, on something that you don't love. Wow. But we already know that some of those books for me are pretty nerdy books. Right. Okay, so I'm not saying read fluff all the time. Yeah, yes. But I have, I have super, this is probably also part of why I'm an author, but I have super high standards for my books. I love fiction and nonfiction. Yes. But when it comes to fiction, I want my perspective to be just as altered or changed as if I was reading nonfiction. Sure, sure. And if I'm reading nonfiction, I want to be just as sucked into a narrative. Yeah, as as if if, you're reading fiction. Even if it's theology or ancient history. Yeah. I want to be... Have that page-turning experience. Okay, so what are you reading this summer? Do you have a list? I... Here's another question for you, actually, before you okay. even answer that. Are you the type of person who uh, starts a book and finishes it and then starts the next? Or do you have f- 10 books around different areas of your house oh. and based on your location, you pick it up and start reading? Yes. I okay. want to be the kind of person that reads a book from start yeah. to finish, but there's just oh, so many books, yeah, so little time. So I'm books, always so in the middle time. of so many. I know. I, How about you? So, you know what's funny about this is I, I don't know what it is, but I... I stopped using the library in COVID, partly because for a while the library was closed. Yeah. Then I got out of the habit of the library and I started purchasing way too many books on Amazon. So with inflation, something we talked about earlier in the show, it occurred to me like, why am I not using my library card? Mm. So just yesterday I went on the library website and I I put like six books that I've been dying to read that have actually been on my Amazon wish list. And I'm like, I don't need to spend money on this. They're right here. Put them on my – and – I would say some of them are Emily Henry Henry's books, who we talked about. Um, there's this not there's this. I think it's a fiction. No, no, no. It's a memoir uh, that people have been talking about online uh, with the Tolkien quote: "Everything sad is Everything untrue." Everything sad is untrue. That book is amazing. So this is what everyone's saying. So that's on my list yes. at the library. It's on hold right now. And then Catherine, this. This is not on brand, Catherine, but this is okay. very on brand, Aubrey, because right now all I watch is K dramas, which I've talked about yes. on the show, Korean shows. I just recently asked the library to purchase the um, Korean pop culture dictionary oh. because there are things I'm missing in the shows, even with good translation, that I don't understand. And apparently, this dictionary helps me oh, unpack this. So goodness. I'm doing a deep dive. That's amazing. Into my K drama. So that's some of my stuff this okay. summer. It's mostly fiction, a little bit of nonfiction. Okay. But that's my afternoon reading. My okay. morning is a little more like I'm reading about psychology of longing and oh. dreaming and some devotional material. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So do you have a do you have a wish list for the summer or any book you're dying to read this summer? Well. <laughs> To be honest, I have read some of the just most fantastic books recently. Ooh. I did just finish Everything Sad is Untrue. Okay, so it's, wor- it's worth the hype. And before it then... It lives up to the hype. Yes. Okay. And before that, I read a book. My book club is actually going to be discussing it this oh. week. Oh. Oh, I don't think I can pronounce it right. Piran- Piranesi? Oh, I've seen that and I've seen people oh, talking about it. Oh, my goodness. It a good? friend of mine texted me and said, Catherine... Yeah. Drop everything. Read this book immediately. I think I know this friend and I saw him tweet about it. Yes. Yeah. He okay. said, and I said, well, I'll get to it. And he's like, no, we have to discuss it. So if you could just get on it right now. <laughs> so we could have a conversation. And it blew me away. Okay. So I have a problem now. Yeah. I've read these two amazing books. Yeah. What are you I just do? feel like the rest of my life is going to be a disappointment. Oh, this is so hard. Okay, well, let us know what you're reading this summer. Do you like to have a fun kind of uh, shallow 
summer read or do you like to go deep like Catherine does? And thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow with my husband, Kevin Sampson, from 4 to 6 p.m. Catherine will be back on Friday. Friday. For Catherine McNeil, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.